I remember seriously when I first could start walking, I used to get to the bottom of the staircase and just couldn't figure out how to get it to the top. Wow. Yeah. Still today, I'm still blown away by that, which is mm. it's, it's amazing how you, your mind works and how it can you know heal. And how was your mindset through that? Were there, like I said earlier, you know, were there things that were going to stop you and nothing was going to stop you by the sounds of it? What about that rehab program? Like, were there days where you were like, I'm never going to get this working again? 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I used to have days like that where it used to be so tough. But the doctor used to, my, my, the rehab instructor used to tell me, you know, if you have days like this, we're going to get you better. You know, you, you haven't affected your brain where you, you can't do it. You just got to read and learn how to do it. No one's ever lucky. I think the only lucky game in life is where you're born and then you make the rest. Stick around. It's going to be a good ride. What's been happening, boys? Anything? Oh, well, on the drive on the way in, something really weird happened. I don't know if it happens to everyone else, but, you know, drive along the freeway, along East, Wink, East Link, um, running out of fuel, so I pull in, fuel up. Yep. Walk into the... Arm and a leg, yep. yeah. Yeah, you know, walk into the survey. Pay the servo, go over, there's a little coffee thing. Oh, I might get a coffee. Pay for the coffee, wait for a coffee. Next minute over the loudspeaker, the servo bloke's gone. <laughs> if you're not in your, if you've paid for your fuel and you're waiting for a coffee here, please move your car. <laughs> I'm thinking, what? He's he, talking said to it, he said it a couple of times. So you're like, is he and, and I'm talking to me? Looking around, he's, <laughs> me? He's talking to me? <laughs> he was full on yelling at me over this loudspeaker. Is that common? Is that... Um, I hasn't, that hasn't been done done to me before. Yeah. I think you're probably lacking the etiquette that if you have finished oh, and, yeah. and you want to com- you want to continue in the complex, well, move, I mean, move so, it to the yeah, side. or you scoop up the coffee on your way to the counter. Wow, you know. But was it my, it? my question was it even busy? Wow, semi busy, but oh, there were okay. spots, but they were just a little bit further over. <laughs> is that is that weird or is that I'm confused? Have I done the wrong thing? Oh, I think courtesy. Oh, I'm sort yeah. of, I thought I was. They well, might. You might be. A, they might be a bit on down there oh, well, I was trying to you know give some money to people and, you know keep the economy going at the survey stop oh, this is I'm getting yelled at work on Hollywood's time I, know, I was confused I was, around. I was actually confused I didn't know if it was me or not and then he's so how did you how me. did you respond I was, did you get the coffee or did you move the car no, I waited for the coffee <laughs> <laughs> that's a Hollywood yeah, that's spot on man <laughs> oh won't be going back to that server I tell you that much oh they've lost my business <laughs> yeah Sorry, that's what I thought I had to get nah, off my chest. Yeah, that's all right. right. It's, that's a bit, right. it's a bit strange for me. Anyway, all right, let's get into it. Hey, guys, welcome back to Australia's number one podcast. We are the Little Fish, and we speak to the big fish about town each and every week. We talk property, mindset, development, life, bringing you guys as much value as possible. Thanks for listening or viewing, however you're doing it. Make sure you comment, like, subscribe, all that sort of stuff. Tell your family, tell your friends. We really love it. There's even... It's even a rumor around the traps for the high performers on the comments might get a right, might get right. a bit the of new, sneaky merch. That's it, the new merch. The new merch is hit. So yeah. If you're if you're a high performer out there, you may get sent a bit a little sneaky hoodie. Get on it. Absolutely. <laughs> like, subscribe, comment. <laughs> what are you like? The algorithm loves it. Thunder Mini. <laughs> There's no such thing as luck in life, Peter. It's <laughs> where you're born and then the rest you Keep make going, up. Let's go. Come on. <laughs> All right, guys. Let's get into today's guest. He's a, he's a ripper. Um, truly proven in the power of of resilience. Widely considered one of Australia's most extreme sportsmen, has spent the years flipping his way across the international stage for the likes of Nitro Circus and Krusty Demons. Once derailed from his lifelong dream by a life-threatening accident, he's since then put the pedal to the metal, reclaimed his championship status behind the handlebars of his beloved dirt bike. 
He's a certified daredevil with a need for speed and a master of the comeback. Give it up for freestyle motocross champion and X Games gold medal winner, Cam Sinclair. Oh, yeah. Woo! Extreme sports. Would you do extreme sports? No, no chance, dude. I played footy. <laughs> Come on, mate. Yeah, I know. Not extreme at all, is it? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, mate. This guy's a serious. How's the intro, man? Good intro. That was a good intro, PK. Clearly, you didn't write it again. Professionally <laughs> <laughs> wrote. <It> sounds good. <laughs> thanks, mate. Yeah, it's a bloody good one. Um, thanks for coming on, Cam. No, no dramas. Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for your time. We've got a ripper story today of resilience, drive, motivation, all that sort of stuff. He ticks a lot of boxes. Belief. Belief, all that sort of stuff. Um, Cam, we don't want to spend too much time, but can you can you uh, build the character of Cam Sinclair from an early days? When did you jump on the bike? Um, how did the passion start? Uh, well, I guess it all started off with my dad. My dad rode bikes. My granddad rode bikes, so I had no real choice. Passed down, yep. <laughs> I know uh, my dad, right from... Um, from, I think I was uh, prep one day and there was a peewee in the land room. So went riding that afternoon, had a crash, got cleaned up by a tree and ever since then I loved it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that was when you were what, four or five type? Yeah, thing? I was like, yeah. So I'll, actually my brother got the keys bike when he's on, he's in prep. So I, I was, I was, I was, wasn't in prep then. I would have been in, in preschool still, but yeah, so I would have been four yeah. and my brother was just five. He's 18 months older. So I was just following his steps. Yeah, awesome. And you crashed, you had your first crash, and then you just loved it. Yeah, that's all right. I think that's you got to do that when you ride a dirt bike. If you don't crash, you're not really trying hard enough. So yeah. that's what my dad told me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you guys had a bit of space to do it? Is that is that is that where you grew up? No, so um, when I first started riding, we were living in Dandy South yep. and um, going to primary school there, but dad took us to the police paddocks in uh, Dandenongs, I think it is, or in Dever Hills. Yep, yep. That's where we first started riding dirt bikes, and then we sort of started racing at the Helen Motocross Club. And what, and what age does the racing kick in, like the competitiveness of it? Um, when you're five years old, you can get your oh, national license. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I can't so. even get me a little fella to eat his dinner, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> get his license. Uh, I look back on photos and it's pretty funny to watch. But, um, <laughs> see, my son's five and I'm pretty scared to let him do it, but my wife won't let him do it because she knows yeah. what I've been through, but yeah. I'm still going to keep working on it. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's mind-boggling. Five years old and they're already racing dirt bikes. I didn't have the training wheels on the on the push bike then. I think it's changed these days. You have to be maybe six or seven, but back when- oh, Okay, when yeah, I that's started, a lot older. Three of the keys. That's that national level, I think, with, yeah. the, with the getting an Australian license, but I think you can still race at some clubs at five years old. I think yeah, it's like right. a track at Natawadi. You can race there still pretty young, so- yeah, yeah, Just on that, Cam, if, if there's a five, six-year-old, seven-year-old, you know, racing in these races and, and someone sees something different, does someone pick them up and try and get them on a contract early like what the um i think in soccer they do that with some people oh, uh, identify the identify talent young, talent young. I it, yeah i think obviously they're going to help pursue their careers and get into that level but soccer's at a different level to the yeah. dirt bikes i think but um yeah. but not in the dirt bike world that wouldn't really i think obviously people give them some some free gear and sort of uh, motivate them to keep going but yeah, not 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 at that stage. It's just a dangerous sport, so yeah. you sort of don't want to push your kids into something so dangerous. It's yeah. life threatening. You know, my motorbike, you can still <laughs> yeah. have a big crash at a young age and get messed up. So people don't like really pushing their kids too much. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's probably what my wife doesn't let yeah. Broxton race. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So at what at what stage did I guess you think that this was going to be going to be a career? I guess. Well, I was like, so my dad put so much time and effort into me racing you know yeah. i was sort of a bit of talent racing dirt bikes so yeah. we traveled australia and even you know used to go to new zealand and indonesia when i was 13 and and race so like in a way then i sort of knew 
I was hoping that's where my life's going to head, you know, yeah. have a career there. But then my parents sort of split up when I was, uh, when I was, uh, would have been 17 years old. Yep. And that's when I sort of had that backing of my dad sort of disappeared in a little way. Yeah. You know, he was still, still there to support me, but wasn't there to, to help as much. Yeah. So I sort of had to, I could do what I want then. And yeah, I always yeah. wanted to, when I come to racing supercross, I always wanted to do the guy doing, doing tricks and during the race and stuff. Yeah. I used to get in trouble by my dad. But my dad wasn't there to tell me I couldn't do it. Yeah. Focus yeah. cam. I said, exactly right. I sort of uh, did my own thing yeah. and just started doing tricks. And the sponsors that I had were happy with me doing tricks. And I was getting more publicity out of that, which that sort of led into the Crusty Demon scene. Yeah. I did, me and Bilko, my best buddy Bilko did our first show of Crusty Demons in 2004. This is fun. Yeah. And um, from then on, we sort of got a bit more recognition. Sponsors are happy. Next year, we got a contract with Krusty in 2005, and that's where it all started. How did, how did Krusty hear about you? That's Travis Pastrama, is, is he uh, That was Brian Deegan. Oh, Brian Deegan, yeah. Yeah, Twitch, all the Metal Militia guys back in the day. Yep. Well, to be honest with you, this is a funny story. Bill Curry reminded me of the story last week, actually, at that Monster Truck show. I think it was a 2002 or 2003. We... Knew it was someone who was performing there. We asked him what color wristbands the backstage passes. <laughs> Me and Bill went to the news agency, bought the colored paper, and we snuck in backstage. Smart. Started talking. It's like the year before. Yeah, that, that's how we sort of introduce yourself. Introduce ourselves by breaking backstage. Wow. And next minute, that's we, wild. The following year, we ride a mini bikes, and then the following year, we're on our big bikes with a contract. That's creating your own yeah. opportunities, isn't that's, it? That's, <laughs> that's incredible. Doing whatever it takes. No, no, that was twenty years ago as well. Yeah, so you've been right. doing it twenty years now. Yeah, that's right. That's yeah. wild. Yes, that's how it all started. It was buying a gun and news agency and uh, sorry, I shouldn't be saying that, but anyway, that's no, 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 whatever that's it a takes. Good story, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah, we broke in and yeah, we've made created friends and now we've got a job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can't forget my um forgive my ignorance here. So in, in doing the dirt bike, is it similar to what the um go kart and the F one guys gotta do? Do they have to have a lot of money at the start to try and get sponsors or Expensive, expensive hobby is that what you're saying that, yeah because yeah. I know F1's it? like that with the go-karting sort 100%, of side. I think go-karting and, and dirt bikes is very similar in a way but it, it is an expensive sport you know it I is. guess like um, it's a lot cheaper to get some footy boots and a footy instead of yeah. get to footy training yeah. where that's why I was so thankful my dad I still thank him to date for getting me into this sport you know and that's why he timeless hours a lot of filling money, up the tank that's it a lot of money and <laughs> so it is an expensive sport to get into but like I said if you've got a talent you, nothing's going to stop you from yeah. you know improving that yeah, you, right. you you make it happen. So right. so the Krusty Demons contract is that when the needle moves? Is that when you go? All right, there's some cash flow from this. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's sort of. I think I was a. Um, I did my plumbing apprenticeship with my dad. Yeah, I left school. And yeah, year, year ten, started year ten or end of year nine. I left school, but yeah, did my plumbing apprenticeship with my, with my dad. And then that's when my parents split up and they stopped the company. So then I started welding tow bars and doing a bit of concreting and stuff. And that's at that point where I joined the Krusty tour and started making enough money to do it full time and that's, that's that's what yeah that's what kicked it kicked yeah. it into gear obviously well, it wasn't making a lot of money still struggling a bit from yeah but um but you're doing what you loved yeah i did what i loved and um just went from week to week and then just got more publicity did more things and then yeah that's how it sort of worked out was crusty one of the first ones that sort of changed the game as far as doing those uh doing the tricks and the freestyle and stuff like that because yeah. i remember we used to watch them i can't remember with crusty demons where they'd go on the sand dunes and stuff the, yep. the old videos and stuff i remember back in those days is that what sort of kick-started that freestyle 100%, sort of yeah, yeah big time I, yeah. I was like, yeah, if we, you know, eight, nine at my cousin's house watching the Crusty Demon one yeah, when it same. first came out and just blown away. That's what made the sport where it is still today, you know, and that sort of led onto X Games and where we are now. So that was kind of evolving. So you were, you were, you were sort of, you were looking for a career as that, that sort of career opportunity for the first time was unfolding with that. 
Yeah, like I said, well, when that Crossy came out, that was like the, the the daredevil side of thing where I was still racing as athlete and wanted to ride fast and be fit. In the back of my mind, I'd love to be a crusty demon. That's where my that's parents, where the fun is. Yeah, is, that, right. is that sort of the rock star? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 100%. They're the globe trotters. That's right. Yeah. Like, well, like I said, me and Bill are huge fans. We had the break in the backstage. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's where it all started. And you started doing tricks in your races. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, that's right. We said so. You're supposed to be just going fast, like yeah. quickest one home. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like right. doing tricks that probably slow you down. Exactly what? right. That's what happens. Still exactly winning. Right. Still and winning as well. Right. Yeah. I'm Man, winning. I'm winning, Dad. I'm winning, Dad. What's the big deal? And that's right. Even like to get top three, you know, I was a goal but I was just out of that bracket when it comes to supercross racing but then at half time they had an expressing session at the supercrosses they used to perform tricks and make more money what you would if you had won the, the race so yeah. that's where it all sort of started you know getting more recognition doing the stuff I loved rather than yeah. sort of racing and yeah I guess, I guess that's the spectacle is it you know it's like anything the, the money follows follows the spectacle of it all mm, that's right and was there was there a lot of it sounds like early on you're starting to make a little bit of money through crusty demons but that was that sort of seasonal so they would do a tour and then you'd be out looking for another way to try and so yep. you know try and find some funds yeah, or, or make right. money so yeah talk us through those, those sort of struggles and what you had to go through to sort of keep the ball in the air so you could keep doing what you wanted so we started joining the Crusty Tour and got some sponsors and started getting some funding through sponsorship and then when we're off tour obviously doing like those monster truck shows there was a supercross races which you just used to do demonstrations at half time and it sort of filled up. We sort of got, it was like, the, that's when the freestyle motocross scene sort of blew up after the Krusty Demon. That's when it was wild, scene. yeah. That's right. So we sort of, there's plenty of shows getting out and about. And the Krusty Demon sort of took off from Australia to New Zealand. And then we started, we went to um, South, um, UK and India. So that sort of blew up a bit. And we sort of did that from 2005 till 2009, the Krusty Demons tours went on for so you got a good stint good, good stint and at that stage just when we started competing getting invites to the Red Bull X Fighters and X Games and stuff like that which sort of took over and that's when the, the big sponsorship money started coming in into it all which that led to the Nitro Circus Tour and here we are now that's um, that's a good point, Benny, because there's a lot of people out there that you know you got your passions that you want to follow but then there becomes this whole I guess you know fork in the road where it's like well i'm not making money yet how long do i how long do i keep pursuing my passion yeah and how long do i do it how long do i hang on to that dream before i drop back and be the plumber was there any moments in your career where it was like oh you know the money's maybe not coming maybe should i go back and be a full-time plumber was there any doubts in your head that you mm. weren't going to make it and you had to go to plan b no never really because i feel very grateful that myself and bilko we joined this the, the freestyle motocross industry at the right time yeah. Yeah. I was still little not yeah, really yeah. knew much about freestyle yep. it was all about racing I was where it's all was it all about you know so we sort of progressed when the sport progressed we, we progressed with the you were in sport. parallel with exactly it exactly yeah, right. yeah. shows started getting bigger selling more tickets bigger tours going on yep. more contests just as we sort of started so we're very lucky where for the kids that start now it's very difficult and probably not that many responsibilities as well young fella yeah, no, no family yep. free yeah that's right we see honestly the crusty tour days were great and we used to learn tricks throughout the shows watching all our buddies what we did and then when it, that led into the contest scene which is huge you know there was tours and the red bull x fighters and x games and it was a huge scene which we was when it first started we were sort of just getting into it which was perfect and were Australia a front runner of this? Were you two, you and your Ooh, mate, were yeah. you a front runner? Or, or I'll, I'll just think America would always be front runners, but were we- oh, Obviously America? you got like Pashanas and Brian Deegans and the, yeah. the X Games and the, all those kind of contests were based in the US. Yeah. But as to the Krusty Tours and stuff, Australia was where it was all, all about, you know? Okay. We used to sell 
the tickets were, were huge over here. New Zealand was huge. And you and you and Bilko were at the front of it, yeah? Yeah, that's right. Two well, best mates. Yeah, we well, best mates. And a few other boys in Australia, like Matt Shubring and Joel Belcher and Robbie, Robbie, uh, Robbie Madison. Yeah, Robbie yeah. Madison, that's yeah. right. Yeah. We sort of just started off together when the, when the scene started off. So we're very lucky. And were you boys making a bit of noise, I guess, over in the US where people starting to look at you and thinking, geez, these Aussie guys are looking pretty good. Slowly but surely, it was, yeah. it, was, it was hard to get into that scene, that US scene, because there was like you know Deegan and Twitch and Pastrana and there's such so many other good riders over there, and it was hard for us. Like, we're still young, it was, was hard still, to crack in. Was, was it? I was still in the early twenties, so just for me to pack up and go to America was was hard, you know. Yeah, scary, I guess. It too. was scary, but mm. um, thanks thanks to the tours and stuff, we sort of um, yeah got noticed by the by the, the, the X Games and stuff, and we got a got a chance to compete. And once we got a chance to compete, that's when we sort of showed what we're about yeah right what's um what, what sort of work and training and that sort of stuff goes into getting to the heights that you got to cam because you were top of your sport you 100%. know like because that's the thing people see the shiny stuff they see yeah. the cool videos like what what happens behind the scenes to get to those heights oh, like i said we I sort of did, did um summer to summer you know summer here in oz and then head up to the us when i was winter here yeah with the train with the ride almost every day like yeah. and how many hours would you be on the bike Probably do about three hours a day, I guess, you know, because you, you don't get exhausted but mentally. That's when you start making mistakes. Yeah. yeah. So it's a balance try. between staying fresh and that's right. but putting the work in. That's right. And we'll like, that's that young party stage. So drinking like, in between. Drinking in between. <laughs> like you, we had a gun gym back then. Like obviously now I'm, I'm a bit older. I sort of feel like I have to go to gym every day. Yeah. To be able to get out of bed. Back in my days, we didn't have to train. We just ride dirt bikes and drink beers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sounds like a good scene. Yeah, it's fun. Great scene, yeah. <laughs> right up, my Still own. try to do that, but I've got to yeah, a bit more involved these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice. So so you're cracking the scene globally in the US, yep. which is amazing. You know, you, you're well known for your double backflip. Can you, you, you nailed the double backflip, but then take us to the, to, to the place where the X Games were getting going yep. and you know you had your accident yeah so the double effort started with the Krusty Demon Tour that's when it first started that's when I got recognised and then joined the um, Red Bull X Fighters yep. and that was that tour was um, you know we did Mexico and then Spain Madrid Spain and then the week after Madrid Spain was X Games which I finally got the invite to yep. and so I did got third in Mexico got went to Spain qualified second and had the big crash on the rotator the double backflip over there before before we go into the crash, so just for some perspective for everyone at home, the double backflip had only been done by maybe two people before you. Is yep. that right? Yeah, that's right. And one of them, and but no one had done it in competition in a in a freestyle in run. a freestyle yep. run. Yep. Yeah, in a time run. So yep. is that like an official run? Is that yeah? What saying so, Pastrana did it at X Games. It's just one oh, it's best trick. You just get one jump. Um, mm. That's it. Where a freestyle runs like Red Bull X Fighters, where you get like a, a minute twenty and, and do uh, as many tricks as many, you can. As you can, and you finished with it, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, like right. right on the yeah. right on the knockout. Yeah, so yeah. did that. It. Sorry, I went, I went to Mexico and the, the high altitude up there, so the bikes run terrible. So I was unsafe uh, to do it there. And then uh, the next round was in um, Texas, Fort Worth, Texas, where we went over there to compete. I got, I did a couple there and blew both my, my ankles out, <sighs> broke a few bones and stretched the ligaments and. Um, that was the last jump of the, of the night, which is good. I got third there. And then going to Madrid four weeks later with two busted ankles, I could barely walk, but I was still young, dumb, full of, you know, had no fear. Yeah. Wanted to get the X Games. And then, yeah, just obviously Jeez. wasn't thinking right. And yeah. <laughs> Bang. Got so, okay, I get, I'm just sort of thinking about the downhill skis and snowboarders. When they train, they go down the hill and they practice their tricks and then land in water. Yep. Do you guys do something similar just before you get to the crash? I'm just trying to understand how you even get the confidence to do the double backflip or even <laughs> learn to do that. Yeah, definitely. You know, without foam pits, that's where oh, the foam pits. Yeah, we've got a big foam pit. It's pretty much like a, um, you know, 
basketball court, say, with fencing around it full of foam. Yeah. And we practice all our tricks into that. Without that, the sport would be nowhere near where it is now, you know, because you mm. land on your head in there and get pulled out by the crane, you, you're good to go. You keep, you keep going, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> if you had dirt, yeah, it's a different Bad. story. So how many how many foam double backflips did you need to do to go, all right, we're hitting the, hitting the dirt? Yeah. How many times did you need to land it in a row before you went, okay, I've just done 10 in a row, now's a good time to get, go. Get the rotation. Yeah, that's what it's like. I was like. I was young and dumb and thought I'd done about 10. I'm like, yeah, good to go. Wow. And then... Um, <laughs> crash prior to doing that my first one was meant to be in um in darwin on the crusty tour oh so it wasn't even in practice you were going to do it on tour yeah i was going to do it on tour for the first time for the first time but then I, I was crashed doing it in practice and broke my collarbone so that sort of postponed that the, the first double flip and then when was the first one the first one was in over in uh, san sebastian spain their promoter over there knew i wanted to do it again once i healed up and flew to the other side of the world made my manager and yeah I was lucky. I knew a couple of the riders over there that lived in in Spain, and they had a foam pit. Yeah. So I flew over there a few days before and got the bike built, did a few in the foam pit, and then yep, ready to go. So you literally had not done one in privately and landed it nah. on ground. That, that such <laughs> a high risk, such, <laughs> such a dangerous uh, a stunt. A stunt. <laughs> if I'm going to crash, I'm going to get paid to crash. Like that. <laughs> that's smart <laughs> business. That's true. That's true. Right. <laughs> I'm going to get paid. I might as well do it. If I'm going to crash, do it and get paid to crash rather than do it in the backyard where no one's going to see it. And- 100%. Cam, I need to understand how, yeah, like your mindset around dealing with fear because I, I saw on one of your videos, might have been your movie. Yep. Uh, twi- is it called Twice? twice yeah. yeah, Twice. Yep. Go and watch it if you have. It's an insane uh, monologue of your story, which is, which is crazy. Um, what was the same, Pete? You were saying, how does his, how does his mind, mindset? This yeah, happens about. <laughs> how, how does he say break? Thing, mate. Like that's what I'm interested yeah, in. Yeah. How do you break your collarbone and go? All right, two, in two weeks I'm going to do yeah, it. Yeah, I heard you I, crashes on a bike. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I heard you say in one of those videos that you literally said that um, two of your friends had passed yep. away riding bikes and stuff, and that you were comfortable with you know if it was your time to go, it was your time to go. And to me, when I watched that, it was like chilling because mm. you know you look down the barrel, sounded pretty serious. Yeah. And then to hear the rest of your story, how it unfolds, you know, it, mm. it got pretty close to that. Oh, big time. Yeah, top, like, were you always like that? Like, do you know what I mean? You, like, when you were younger, were you always a daredevil and didn't, weren't scared or you were scared and it was a mindset and you had to train yourself to no, say- I, I honestly think I wasn't really scared because like I said, I started riding when I was three. So you I didn't know any different. Exactly right, you don't know anything different. You, you, you're taught to crash and get, if, you, if you can walk and get back up, Go ahead. The old man just pat you on the yeah, bum and that's <laughs> enough to go. You'd be crying all right. But anyway, that, You'd be I, right. I, that's exactly right. But I was just taught that way. And um, you know, I lost a few friends through the racing scene. That sort of steered me from racing. Oh, so it was the racing that where they those oh, yeah, that's where okay. I first started. One of my closest a close friend of mine who taught me so much, John O'Porter, he he passed away in, in two thousand and four from racing, from a racing incident. So that sort of turned me off and he was really good at tricks as well. He was yep. the first Aussie to do a backflip. So that's that steered me from racing just to do freestyle. I thought that was safer. And then it came to 2009 where I lost two close friends from in that same year. Mm. Oh, from, from riding dirt bikes. And I was just, and the way I looked at it was like, they if you had a choice of dying, you'd do it from what riding dirt love. bikes. Exactly yeah, right. You're doing, doing what you love. You're doing from what you love. You know, you'd, you'd feel good in a way if you, if you drive from riding dirt bikes and then getting hit by a car or having a car crash, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's the way I look at it. And it's probably not it's the best way to put it but yeah is that is that trait that that lack of fear or appreciation for fear or it's not even the lack of appreciation because you understand how dangerous it is but the acceptance of it is that something that um 
that carries through on other parts of your life. You know, obviously now, like it started out just riding the bikes and it was fun, and but then it become business. You know, were you always business minded, and and did that help you take on risk in business and stuff, or were you a little bit well, the opposite, risk adverse? I sort of opposite. I sort of just go with the flow. You know, There's yeah. One thing I was ever business. Still to today, I'm still very grateful and thankful where my career has led to. You know, I never thought it would get to this. You know, where I could make a life out of it. But for me, I was just like, yeah, just led day by day and, and new things happen every day. So it wasn't really something that you set out and that you were passionate about being business and taking big risks or anything like that. You're just sort of going about the thing that you loved and it That's right. I just organically. loved doing it. I enjoyed doing it and, and every day learned things as my career progressed. And I knew it wasn't going to last forever. Like, you know, I, I thought when I'm 30, I'll be ready to slow down a bit. The injuries I've had prior to that, I'm 38 now and still touring and <laughs> still oh. having just as much fun. I'm, I'm a lot... I do get scared now, you know. I've got fear now. I've got two kids, married now, so it's, I can't have that same approach where I, do, I try and I don't have that. Fear, you know, I can't approach it like that anymore. Yeah. So, so that I, mindset. So you do care if you now I do now. Time. Yeah, because older Yeah. In my twenties was a completely different story. So it was man. before the kids when I heard you say 100%, that. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Like I just pack my bags and think I might not come home. You know, <laughs> that's a silly way of looking. But with that, how dangerous that sport was. But to be able to do it to win, you got mm. to do the most dangerous stuff out there. So. But now it's a completely different mindset to what I used to have. Yeah, hundred oh, percent incredible. Crazy. I think, should we talk about the actual the accident? Yeah. I guess that that really probably may have rattled you and your family. Um, it was in Spain, was it? You yep. said Madrid. Yeah, Madrid, Spain. So you, you had two broken ankles at the time when you were going yeah, to. Know, yeah, that's just very badly beat up. Yep. And you were going to attempt the double backflip in front of a crowd. Yeah. So what the thing is that no one really knows about. I did two the, the day before of my crash. I did one in qualifying. I did one in best trick. Oh, and you landed wow. landed him yeah. yeah okay but my ankles are so sore I hurt my shoulder in practice so I was in, in and out of physio all day leading up to the, the night program so on the Friday sat on the Friday night I did, I did two double flips and they were both fine and then the following day I was just spent most of the morning in physio getting loosened up and just it was very hot it was like July in mm. Madrid it was sort of pretty, pretty um, mentally drained you know so obviously wasn't thinking thinking straight and just made a bad mistake didn't pull right at the right time and yeah, from then on, just by looking at the footage, I, I under-rotated fairly bad. And you've, you've seen the footage? Yeah, yeah I, watch, I still watch it all the time. Oh, my God, I watched it. I was watching me little fellas the other night, and I've gone, yeah, no, nah, I'm not watching that, buddy. He's five, and he's gone, we're watching it. I've gone, so we watched it, yeah. and I reckon I was telling the boys earlier, the only reason I could stomach watching it was knowing that you were okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because right. if mm. not, oh, like, you couldn't watch it. it's, it's right. fucking brutal, man. What was yeah. interesting, the commentators kind of all stopped talking mm. at, for a second because no one really knows how bad the injury was I guess for our audience who haven't seen it I guess we should articulate yeah, what yeah. actually happened yeah, like yeah. Cam's gone up to do the double backflip you've under rotated yep. and it looks like you actually landed on your head pretty much yeah and yep. your pole back just sort of arches backwards and then yep. you're, you're just laying there and you didn't move didn't move yeah. didn't move which is yeah, how cold so you, so you ended up in so you, like you said down to paint the picture so you ended up in a coma for seven days yep. is that right yep. and when you came out you had no recollection of what happened no, nothing. where it happened or anything like to talk us through that man yeah, like that's fuck. yeah so with, with the so I was in a coma for seven days I lacerated my liver and, and you forgot who your missus was exactly, as well right I was, was going to get to that part <laughs> <laughs> I um, lacerated my liver had internal bleeding so that's why they I guess that was a, a big worry as well. Uh, okay. I had a few broken bones. I cracked my cheek, um, had a fracture in my hip, shattered my shoulder blade. And then, um, so I had to, that was, I was in a coma for seven days just to let my body rest. And yeah, came out of 
my coma in my room. My parents, my, my, my parents flew over from, from yeah. Melbourne, my brother, my manager, they all flew over there. So here I'm waking up in, in the room and my wife at the time, my girlfriend, fiance at the time, sorry, walks in the room and I knew who she was. We were friends growing up. We said, brother used to race, so I knew who she was. And then she walks in and she's, I was like, what are you doing? He's like, we're together. I'm like, really? I was like, um. <laughs> and what did you say? <laughs> was it, were you pleased? I was pleased enough. Like, no, but, no, but I asked her where my ex-girlfriend was. <laughs> That's the worst part. Oh, dear. <laughs> but yeah, and us just, just, you know, my head wasn't obviously oh, straight. Right. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, Surely you okay, could well, be forgiven. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. She was upset. Well, not with what I said, but just it's how bad not, I was. Course, and, and yeah. mem- memory I lost. And it was a long journey to get back to where we are. But, you know, the first thing I wanted to do was get back on my bike. It did not scare me, scare me one bit. Yeah. I asked Brooke, I said, am I going to be right for X Games next weekend? She's like, not a chance. This wow. is, I was going to ask that, heck, what crazy. your mindset was when you come out of a coma. You've just been told you, you, you nearly killed yourself. <laughs> Might not be able to ride again. Might not be able to ride again. Uh, walk. Walking was out to learn to walk and, and even just, just talking in general was, a, was hard and uh, eating and obviously, but yeah, just, just worked on getting back to where I was, but not, not once I didn't want to ride again. That was the, f- the first thing I wanted to do was ride. And the yeah. doctor saying, no, I might not be able to ride. Well, mate. this is this is the crazy part of the story where it goes from here, I reckon, right? Yeah, because yeah. it's all like, you obviously had this crazy career up until that point, massive success, but what happens from here on is what, blew my mind and I know it blew yours as well Pete tell us what happened man so you came back you rehabbed well, yep. he, he comes back can't walk can't walk you got, you got to learn I heard someone say you got to learn how to be a human again basically yeah like and that. and then you had you wanted to get in your drive to get you wanted to get back to where you were previously that's the plan my goal which was crazy to, journey plan was to compete at X Games 12 months later the doctor said I won't be able to ride it's going to take 12 months at least to get back on your bike so I worked hard Got back into um, Edworth Hospital and did rehab. You know, I spent time there just to do rehab. And I remember seriously when I first could start walking, I used to get to the bottom of the staircase and just couldn't figure out how to get it to the top. Wow. Yeah. Still today, I'm still blown away by that, which is mm. it's, am- it's amazing how you, your mind works and how it can, you know, heal. And how was your mindset through that? Were there, like I said earlier, you know, were there things that were going to stop you and nothing was going to stop you by the sounds of it? What about that rehab program? Like, were there days where you were like, I'm never going to get this working again? 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I used to have days like that where it used to be so tough. But the doctor used to, my, my, the rehab instructor used to tell me, you know, if you have days like this, we're going to get you better. You know, you, you haven't affected your brain where you, you've, you can't do it. You just got to really learn how to do it. Yeah. So it was, it was, a, long, it was a long road to, to recovery and, yeah, thankfully the guys there helped so much and my friends and family and just, we worked hard. And then as soon as I could, you know, get back on my feet and start running and just doing light training and that just improved so much day by day. Mm-hmm. I think it was within six months I started riding again. And at what point did you decide it was a good idea <laughs> to go and do the fucking double back flip again, man? Yeah, oh, that was probably... And how'd the missus take it? Um, like she was on the road with me too to recovery so we always spoke every day about it and it was my goal always knew it was car- so it was always from the start you were like not only am I going to ride the bike again not only am I going to walk again uh, yeah, I'm going to learn how to eat again yeah. <laughs> I'm going to oh, do another backflip exactly no, and ride and compete you know like yeah. riding's one thing and, and but competing again and then not only competing but doing what you did and land it in competition is mind blowing I was very lucky I didn't lose that part you know like I guess Mm. It's a lot of parts of your brain where you just you, you do you don't come back from where I was like I didn't lose that drive and and, and it's just I always wanted to get back on that bike and it all goes back to I guess I started when I was three just I knew, knew nothing but to ride motorbikes yeah 
So um, it felt quite normal for me, you know, to, to work, to get that double backflip again. And the, the funny thing is, I think, yeah, so this was in July, I think, so I, come up to, I couldn't drink or do anything, stay away from alcohol. So I come up to New Year's Eve and I told Brooke, if I can get back on my bike and do a single backflip before Christmas, can I please have a beer? <laughs> <laughs> so I worked pretty hard and I did it actually a few days before Christmas and have a few beers over Christmas. I was stoked. Nice. Is that doctor's orders? You weren't allowed to drink or? Yeah, 100%, yeah. Until I was obviously back to a normal enough to be able to ride a bike again, I guess. Yeah, okay. That's my he headstrong enough to be able to do what I was doing. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Do, you, do you think setting a goal like wanting to get back on the bike and do the double backflip really helped you through those hard days of where 100%. you thought it's just, this is just mm, too hard? Uh, that's, a, that's my question. That's my answer to a lot of people that say, you know, what kind of advice do you have? I said, goal, setting, setting a goal is the best thing. Mm. Gives you mm. reason. Just in, any, in anything from coming back from uh, injury to, I think setting goals is the way to achieve things in life, I think. Mm. Yeah. And you clearly that set that helps. clear goal, yeah, and took you months. on that journey. That's yeah, right. yeah, and it took twelve months. And um, I was I was I was very lucky that there was a Nitro Circus tour, you know, um, prior to X Games. Yeah, and Nitro Circus is a like a bit of a, a resi mat, like a foam resi on the landing. Ah, right. So it's not like going to dirt or to mm -hmm. to a steel landing. Yeah, Don't right. play it down, mate. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> your hand on your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Ah, it was that soft. Was, that was a good a good lot of that was a good practice, a lot of mm. warm up to, to X Games. So yeah. I, I'd done a, I'd done a handful prior to X Games. So and the goal was yeah, to nice. win gold. You know, for people listening as well. So the X Games would be considered the equivalent of the Olympics yep. for extreme sports. 100%. And your goal was to win gold at the X Games. You'd unfortunately uh, landed on your head, broken your back, or you know, yeah, yeah. had the accident yeah. doing the double backflip. Talk us through that journey leading into the X Games, and then ultimately not only nailing the double backflip, but living that lifelong dream out so my, my goal was just to win a, was just to compete at x games and i was just hoping to win a medal you know mm. yeah that was my goal so um to be able to to you know do all the hard work and and all the training over there like especially before, over in temecula california it's around august it's that hot like mm. so hot it's, it's over the hills so you don't get much of a sea breeze at all it's just like desert so it's so hot over there so training in the foam pits is like ridiculous yeah it's so hot and uh, mentally draining but you know just to be able to compete and land my trick was my goal and then to be able to uh, come away with the, the goal was wow, was amazing. That's a crazy story. So, would am I fair to assume that that trick earned you the earned you the gold? Yep, correct. Like the double backflip. Is there a better like that's a big story, isn't it? Like oh. that that happens, and then that happens in two thousand nine, two thousand ten. The very trick yep. that nearly ended your life wins you a gold medal in in your in your sport in the Olympics of yeah. So the thing the, the thing that, that no one else really knows is like because I'd done a fair few double flips prior to X Games and on the Nitro like Circus Tour. So I was pretty comfortable with the with the double flip. Yeah. And leading up to X Games, I thought I'm gonna have to do a, a double double backflip one hander or a double backflip no hander. Oh, so that's I was yeah. busting my ass in the phone bit trying to learn a trick with it. Oh yeah. <laughs> trying to go extra because you, you <laughs> thought you had to take it to another level did, to win a medal. I honestly did and I had yeah. I had another trick. I had like a one handed double backflip which, <laughs> which I was going to do. Oh. So my first you get two jumps. So my first time I did a double flip. I yep. land I was pretty stoked I'm like, yeah it's cool. <laughs> and then next minute I before I even had to do my second trick, I'd, I'd won. Oh, so oh, you right. it. it was that good. So I had to save that for the following year. And did you do it? Yeah, I did it the following oh, year. Oh, wow. I got silver, got beaten that year, shattered. Oh, so you've but you know what that does, <laughs> PK, Dan, Daniel's son? Just 
some perspective out there for people out there that we always talk about, you know, we, we do this pod to try and inspire and, and, and get people to step, you know, that may not have stepped off the line at the moment, but should to try something, whatever it might be for them. Yep. But, you know, there, there's always things holding, there's always, you know, excuses or reasons, mm-hmm. things holding people back. But that perspective, you know, a bit of perspective mm-hmm. about whether yeah. you should pick up the phone, make the call or whether you should take whatever risk to, to look at what you, um, you know, the risk that you took and, yeah. and, and, and the whatever it took attitude to be able to live your dreams, it just put, sort of puts it in perspective, doesn't it? Yeah, 100%. And even that, you know, that failure, yeah. dirty word, but that that crash mm-hmm. and then, you know, you can you can draw parallels- Well, who doesn't give from up other, From other businesses or other endeavors, you can have your setbacks. Like that was a pretty bad day at work. Yeah, like that, that, that double backflip <laughs> that didn't come worse. off, yep. doesn't get any worse, but then to come back in such a, you know, relatively short time mm-hmm. and then reclaim the top of the mountain. Mm. Talks to the, that um, whatever it takes mindset. And it's yep. something that I'm pretty passionate about because years ago I made a decision that I'm going to do whatever it takes to live my sort of dreams. And, and I come to realize that whatever it takes needs to be whatever it takes. Yep. It can't be whatever it takes, but except, or, you know, there's no exception. Do you yep. know what I mean? And it sounds like that, that was your mindset, right? Like you've, you've done, you've ended up nearly lost your life, yep. but it just, it was just never, ever a consideration mm. to not keep moving forward. Like I said, I think I said that at the start when I was three years old and I hit, mm. hit the tree, my dad said, you know, if you're not crashing, you're not trying hard enough. <laughs> yeah. So still to this day, I guess if you can get back up and you can, you can walk and you can talk and you know, I think she's not there. So, Cam, I'm going to ask you this. Will you say, give that same advice to your son? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brooke won't He's not let watching. Him. He's not watching. <laughs> no, actually, I've actually given him that advice. Yeah. He's had a fair few crashes. Him and my daughter have had some massive crashes. Yeah. I'll show you when we finish yeah. this. But yeah, no, it's a huge crash. But yeah. They wear all the gear these days. Yeah, is it do. a bit pretty, 100%. Yeah. yeah. I, I'd never ride a dirt bike ever without any gear on. You just never yeah. know. Anything can happen at any time. Yeah. So, yeah. I guess it's with any kind of dangerous sport, you know? Yeah. Jeez, I wouldn't be doing it. I can tell you that. <laughs> it's not for me. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. So what? So what did it mean to have, I guess, your support crew through that through that year, or even you know, in life in general, but probably more so uh, magnified in that year because a lot of people do what they do, and support mm. and good people around them means a lot. Yeah, hundred percent. In that in that rehab period, I feel like you must have had some some real strong people around you and supportive people around you. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's the guy, the rehab at, at Epworth Hospital. Those guys are legends down there. They help out so much. And even to my wife now, she, you know, I, there was an option where I could stay in hospital and do rehab and stay there. Or my wife had to drive me in from, from, um, Pearsdale yeah. on a daily basis. And we chose that option where I could just, she could drive me in every day. Yeah. And we didn't have kids at the time, which made it a lot easier, you know? So she has her full-time job to pretty much look after me for, for, you know, the, the four hard months. Was that to try and have some sort of normality in your life when in your rehabbing, at least going 100%. home, having your own bed, spending own like environment. spending, spending the, the almost four weeks in Madrid Hospital? Yeah, the, the language barrier was hard enough. Yeah, and then to come back home and spend a, a, few, a week or so in Epworth, and that's when we had that choice where we could stay here and do rehab, or we can come back and forth. So, hundred percent, like if I could get home and yeah, spend, spend time on the couch, watch my own TV, that was yeah the option I took. I didn't actually think about that. So you, you've you actually woke up in a coma in a different country that doesn't speak English as their first language. Yeah. Was it hard to understand what the fuck was going on? Especially oh. if you had no memory, man. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I mean, who are you? And comes in and where the fuck am I? For me, like honestly, actually, I, you thought you were in a different city from memory. Yeah, I thought right. you were right. no, for me, like, like, in New York or something. To my parents and my okay. my wife and my manager, like they stepped up. Like, for my wife, she was there too, and my um my mechanic was there. Oh, they were there on on that night of the crash. 
So I can only imagine how bad that would have been, you know, trying to understand if I'm alive or if I'm mm. what, what I've broken in a, in a Spanish language you know it'd be so hard to deal with it so and the story goes your brother and your dad were at home and your brother's prepaid internet <laughs> cut yeah. out just as you were going up is that yeah, right that's right yeah. Yeah. and he had to ring my dad and dad had to talk him through it <laughs> yeah so yeah it's pretty pretty bad stories all, all around for that to, setup. to flip to to a good side of it yep. i um I was at, uh, I went to Monster Jam. Oh no, what was it called? Monster something. Monster Truck Mania. Monster Truck Mania with my little fella the other week and we had VIP passes and we we're down on the floor and would you believe you and I were on the email on the Friday, had no idea and uh, rolled in and, and you were down there with this massive line of kids lined up on the thing <laughs> signing and I got to see you, uh, got to see you, yeah, perform in that that night. That's awesome. Yeah, oh, it was insane. And I, I remember you spoke on the mic, your family were yeah. there and you were buzzing and Bilko, your best mate, were yeah. there. And it was cool. It was an awesome, awesome vibe. You guys are mad. I guess, talk to us a little bit now, now that you're a little bit older, it probably wasn't something that you, you thought about when you were younger, but I got to see you and I got to see it firsthand with my little fella, right? Yep. Like he was sitting next to me, his eyes were beaming. I yep. was like, he's coming on the podcast, AC <laughs> boy, you know what I mean? And got, got him buzzing a little bit. Yeah. But, yeah, inspire like inspiring that next generation of kids to, yeah. to go out and have a go and 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 and, uh, and and live your dreams and stuff. Like saw you on the mic that night. Yeah. Saw you lined up. It was for I must have been two hours before. Yeah. Where the line was nonstop. All three of you guys were signing posters and stuff. Yeah. How, how, you know, what, what does that feel like to be knowing that you you know you're giving back in that that's, kind of way? That's a big part of why I'm still doing it. You know, like I never thought I'd like I said thirty. When I'm thirty, I'll be pretty much ready to settle, settle down a bit and hang the boots up and now I've got my kids involved and they come get to me watch me perform and my family gets to come and watch me perform and you know just coming on the, off the night show circus tour where they get to come to a few shows up to Sunshine Coast and stuff and then got the New Zealand tour coming up in November and the US tour coming up as well so oh, I'm doing it so it's, we can just take my family with, with me the experience to experience the, the travel mm. in the world and enjoying the life of us you know like it's, 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 that's the main reason why I'm doing it now it's so my kids can come and enjoy the, enjoy the ride and how long will you do it for do you reckon Cam? Like you still got a few years in here or? Yeah, I think so. Like I got to a point where I'm like, if I could do a backflip when I'm 40, it'd be pretty cool. Yeah, nice. So oh, um, you'll yeah, be sweet. a couple of years away. <laughs> I just think traveling the world too would be pretty amazing, getting to do what you love. Oh, 100%. It is great. Like I got to a point, honestly, before COVID, I was almost ready to hang the boots up and um, then having two years off and getting the call back up to come back on tour, it sort of made me realize it's so much fun not, not to be having so what yeah, was that yeah. did it become more of a job than passion yeah than just, a passion? just traveling a lot and having the kids and they're in school and mm. we spent four months in america um back in 2018 and then my kids came over there they did my, my son had his first birthday over there and my daughter had her fifth birthday over there and my wife wasn't really a fan of it she missed her, her friends and family at home where I, a lot of sacrifices we got a house in san diego i'll get a, an airbnb in san diego for four months so I'd pack up on a Thursday, fly out, and I would fly back till Monday. So the kids and my wife were, yeah. were at home. I had an Airbnb in San Diego. They had a good life, you know. This, this summertime, they were in Mission Beach, in San Diego is a pretty cool place. But two or three weeks, hundred percent, would be great. But four months, it sort of dragged With out no a bit. That's when I started to think maybe oh, it's just time for me to slow down a bit. That's mm. that whatever, whatever it takes mindset again, right? right? Like if you're doing whatever it takes and whatever sacrifices you need to make, like. That, that's just where it's at isn't it you've got to be prepared to make sacrifices take risk all of those things that we talk about that's right yeah yeah it's um yeah it's amazing like i still can't i can't fathom that you know those, those you must have had some dark days during those sort of rehab days like oh, i just can't yep. yeah because you still had your memory you knew what you could do yep. a few months ago 
and then trying to climb the stairs again. Stairs is a big one. It's my reaction time, like the, the testing, I, I couldn't pass. You know, my, but you, but your mind knew that hey, I could do this a couple of months ago. Like it right. must have been a frustrating time in your life. Very frustrating. That's right. The whole the whole stairs situation and just trying to walk in a straight line. You yeah. never never pictured that. But like I said the the doctors and the instructors at the Epworth Rehab facility, they did such an amazing job, and they taught me how to do it, to walk again and, and ride again. Basically, you had yeah. insurance. What's that? You had insurance? Yeah, I had insurance, yeah. Oh. Yep. And I was very thankful. Like, all my sponsors helped out a lot too. You know, I was sponsored by Rockstar Energy at those time, and they helped a lot, They helped out a lot through the rehab and get me back on the bike. Yeah, awesome. Pretty different yeah. profession. I mean, the three of us <laughs> go to work every day, and I oh, know I don't risk my life when I go to work. So yeah, 100%. hats off to yeah. you, mate. Like, that's, that's, in, that's, I'd never thought of that. Like, you're going to work risking your life pretty much. 100%. For your passion. That's right, yeah. Like I said, I used to leave home when I was in my 20s, and... Just, just hope and pray I'll, I'll come back with, mm. in one piece. It's a bit of um, it's a little bit of perspective, isn't it, for people like us and you know people down the other end of the camera there that you know there's there's challenges you got to tackle each day, there's fears you got to face, there's 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 real things you got to go out there and roll the sleeves up and do, and yeah, to hear hear the challenges and the and the fears that you've yep. been able to sort of put to bed and and, yeah. and have a crack at. Um, it probably means you can pick up that phone, make that phone call when you need to. Have that or, awkward conversation that you don't want to have. 100%. I mean, just listen right. to Cam's story. It's not, you know, if he can do that and come back from that, surely he can. <laughs> I know, it's almost <laughs> like it makes it funny, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah I know. Oh. We worry about the little things. Yeah. I know, 100%. Cam, Cam, what, um, just one, and I, th I think you touched on it earlier, but one more piece of advice we like to ask our our guests that yep. if someone's looking to step off the line if they're looking to tackle that double backflip yep. you know for you know talking in your terms or even if they tackled that that item whatever it was and they failed at it and then to go back and achieve it again like you've done that yep. what piece of advice would you give you know would you give the audience for yeah, that like i said um I, I set myself a lot of goals i used to get a pan you know a bit of paper and write down my goals and yeah. and tick them off one by one yeah you know, start small and, and and that was the easiest way you know day by day just tick those goals off and you'll hopefully get to that that spot you're looking for so so acknowledge where you want to go yep write it down write do it the down. vision board whatever exactly it right. might be yep um manifest it and mm -hmm. and and work work your ass off to do it that's right it. i still do that on a daily basis you know if i've got an ideas in my head i'll jot it down and and if, it, if it's you know figure out how how's how, how i'm going to work it and yeah I was going to say well, execution is the, the game. Execution is the game. I was going to say, Cam, so well, what is the game plan? Have you got a game plan after riding whenever that ends? Like, yep. what, what, what else are you passionate about? And, yeah, and so like once um, my kids started, started at school, I sort of had to think I'm not going to be able to do this forever and, and it's just such a dangerous sport. I've never had intentions to do this forever. So I, I bought into a transport business a couple of years ago just before COVID which I was, I was lucky that luckily I did yeah good yeah. business um, it wasn't Fox transport <laughs> no, the no, big no. one <laughs> no I was just um, yeah cutting uh, through Austral Bricks I got a couple of trucks through, through those guys yeah awesome and I was um, yeah and I, was, I was driving one of them full time during COVID because we couldn't ride shows couldn't do anything else apart from, from work and I was very lucky with, with the industry we were in I could still still drive, drive the trucks and deliver house bricks but um, yes yeah, so I've been doing that for three years now and then since you know we had a COVID and shows started back up again, I put two drivers in those trucks. So now I'm back riding bikes and end up being back in the truck eventually once once riding <laughs> slows down again. But yeah, that's, I was very lucky and, and grateful that I bought into that, the transport business when I did. Perfect timing. Yeah. yeah, that's right. So you've got your sort of your exit strategy from racing sitting yep. there ready to go. The yep. boys are in the truck, yep. and then you can just ride until you are until you're not feeling it that's anymore. That's right. Well, I, sold, I sort of bought one truck and did two years in that, and then I bought another one. Uh, Started the year, yeah, 
and I've got another one coming in July now. So I've going three. So I have three trucks, and my plan was to jump in that third one and just slow down. But then Nitro offered me this contract. <laughs> <laughs> got to find another driver. I got another uh, contract to go to New Zealand in November. So now I'm like thinking maybe I could put a third full time <laughs> driver in that and just still ride the shows, do the monster trucks, do the monster jams, go to New Zealand for a couple of weeks, go to America for a couple of weeks. But I promise, well, I'd, I'd never go like on. You know, month monthly tours and stuff. It's just too hard yeah. to leave your family and stuff for. Yeah. That's the goal now is just to keep, you know, do shows here and there. Like can shows. Yeah, do some New Zealand tours. That's not too far across, you know, the, across the water sort of thing. So, yeah. And then eventually once I'm ready to hang the boots up completely, I'll be back behind the steering wheel. Sounds like a good plan. Yeah. What do you What do you like behind the steering wheel, mate? Are you trying to get up on fucking two wheels around the corner? Did you, did you stick to the speed limit? <laughs> I ran, ran, ran a few signs over, ran yeah. over a couple of bonnets. It's actually pretty difficult driving a semi. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> bit bigger than your usual mode of yeah. transport. That's right. Yeah. No, it's all part of the fun. Do you get a little bit aggressive behind you, like yelling out the window? And no, I'm not going to work. No, I'm not. No. I'm, I'm pretty cruisy. Just the cruisy. Just yeah, take it as it comes and try to do the right thing. Awesome. What a awesome. story, That's man. It. Love Crazy. it. Love oh, it. Anything. Anything, uh, anything? No, I just thanks for coming in, dude. No worries, like, thanks no, for coming thanks in, man. It is a crazy story, and it is a little bit different. Yeah, man. It's similar but different so, because yeah. because the levels that you're gone to. And if you want to look into it a bit more, I got the documentary released in 2011. Yeah, it's got it's called twice. twice. Yeah, yeah. I can I can test. I've watched it, and it's an absolute belter. You get an insight into your mum and your dad. Yeah, what we spoke about, but in depth and all the visuals and stuff. It's a wild, wild story. Can we put a link on the social? Yeah, we'll actually, yeah, we'll drop this spot on. I'll drop a link in the- uh, That that means you do it, not me. (laughs) (laughs) I'll drop a link in the the, uh, description. Love it. We will do that. Thanks for your time, man. No no worries, guys. Thanks, Thanks, mate. Legend. Thanks for your time again, Cam. Guys, please like, share, subscribe bit of merch on offer uh, whether you're listening whether you're viewing please we love it guys positive negative give us some feedback and share share this podcast with anyone that you know that's going to get value of it that needs to do their double backflip come so on you're at the top